0: Up your life to start anew, you'll find out some things to be true. Like you are stronger, than you what's new? Yeah. Ooh, how you
1: have grown. Hi, I'm Lenora Colarusso. Has your journey towards health and wellness been a rocky road? Mine sure was. Plus, I have a busy life as a mother of five, a grandmother of two, an RN, a personal trainer, Reiki master, and a nutritional counselor. Whew! How do I fit it all in? Well, it's balance. Think, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. Not too much of something and not too little. Just right. My podcast is designed to inspire you towards that next step of achieving and maintaining everlasting health and wellness. Welcome to It's a New Dawn for
0: you. You pack up your life to start anew you'll find out some things to be true
1: like you are stronger. It's a new dawn for you, which is the name of my business and podcast, came to me while meditating. My sister-in-law, Dawn, had died a couple of years before, and to say I was close to her is an understatement. She was my best friend, my confidant, pretty much my everything. The meaning of the name is my firm belief that there is always a new day, a new beginning to try again. And I felt it was Dawn giving me a message loud and clear that the name was perfect. While taking my 200 hour Pranas yoga certification, I felt a block of energy and began researching limp and fascia and restrictions in the flow of prana or energy in both. I've had multiple surgery in my life and know enough about the blockages that can occur from scar tissue and came across this gem of a man. I felt an Instagram connection right away. His description in his Instagram profile stopped chasing pain, Caught my eye and I've been a Dr. Perry Nicholson crazy admirer ever since. He talks about systems of the body that are very rarely talked about but are so very important, that being the limp and the fascia. But he does so much more than that. As noted in his profile, he is a full-time human, teacher, crazy pathwalker, nonconformist, lifter, unicorn maker, I hope to elaborate more on what that means later, and mover, I am so very excited to have this brilliant man on my podcast. Welcome, Dr. Perry. I like to start each podcast with this story. We all have one, and I believe that our past, good and bad, gives us our experiences that lead us to our present moment. Can you please tell me about your story and what led you to what you do today?
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, people learn mostly through stories anyway right mm-hmm. it's how we learn about uh, ourselves and others and you know i i think most journeys in life we get our biggest lessons from our hardships and the suffering that we've had the, the lessons that you take away from that so i got into healthcare originally Jeez, what is it going on now like 25 years ago i became a chiropractor and I was into health and fitness long before that so I started bodybuilding and weight training when I was 14 years old this is a while ago um, and I hurt myself training which is very common for people to do hurt my lower back and I could barely walk for a period of time and then my training partner at the time said, you should go see my chiropractor. I'd never been to one before, and I'm like, sure, I'll go try it, and then within one visit, I was standing up, walking around, and I'm like, this stuff is pretty good, mm-hmm. and then at the time, I didn't actually think about becoming one. I was doing another profession at the time, and it's only when I was just kind of just I mean, it's having a moment of like, oh, I really want to do what I'm doing right now the rest of my life. I wasn't being fulfilled, and I maybe I could be a, a chiropractor. I mean, it helped me, so I Approached my chiropractor and asked him, and then he was very supportive and said, of course you can. So I'd already gone through college, and I was going to actually be studying law. So it's a very different profession now Mm -hmm. that I'm doing. And so I had to go back to school and and get all my sciences, and I became a a chiropractor and began to help people with that. But it wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be, honestly, because I kept asking myself and wondering why. I was was having to see people, why things would keep coming back and things wouldn't hold for very long on the body. I was just looking for answers. I was what's called a why guy. I'm always asking why, 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 why. To understand the process of something, not just go through the procedures and jump through the hoops and say, well, that's just the way it's always been. That's not good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And the universe has a way of answering what you want, and sometimes it doesn't answer in a nice way. Uh, So I got kind of hit over the heads and punched in the gut and kicked in the groin at the same time, honestly, by the universe when it came calling because I got really sick. I developed an autoimmune disease about five, going on six years ago. And when I look back, it's something that's been building for decades because I've had a history of cancer in my past and a couple of illnesses and uh, long bouts of depression that now I know are tied to some of my immune system issues. And uh, I got so sick from my immune autoimmune disease where my body just decided to turn on itself all of a sudden where I had to stop teaching, and, which is one of my favorite passions to do. I had to leave practice. couldn't see clients anymore. I had such severe brain fog that I could barely have a memory and remember what I did earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And I was just spiraling out of control, sleeping four or five naps a day. No matter how much I slept, I just couldn't get enough energy and I felt like I was slowly dying in, in a way and medicine tried to help me with the best way that they know how and it was unfortunately through how they usually do it with medications and antibiotics and surgeries mm-hmm. so I mean they're trying to do their best honestly but this is how that's their lens that's how they see the world and sickness and that's how they try to help it but unfortunately that I found with a lot of these lifestyle chronic diseases that Approach is not working. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got worse and worse and worse. And I had to empower myself and take back control on my own and put this puzzle piece together. And then that journey of learning and of hitting rock bottom and trying different things and seeing what works and what doesn't work and learning about the process led me to where I am now and why I put together the course I did about the lymphatic system because the lymphatic system is a system of the body that's very neglected in medicine. Nobody ever really talks about it. And it was a huge component of my sickness and my illness and my recovery. And nobody was talking about it. So I decided I'm going to talk about it. So I'm kind of championing that now. And then I've, uh, and then looked at all the other different systems of the body, not just the, what they call the musculoskeletal system, the one that where people get aches and pains and joints and muscles and soft tissue, which was happening to me with with chiropractic early on. But these things built up and there's many, many different systems in the body that have to work together and are interconnected. And unfortunately in medicine today, we have a reductionist type of thinking and we break things down into parts and we isolate them and we look at them by themselves to try to understand them but we don't we forget i guess somehow that all these systems in the body have to work together no system ever works alone and there's some fundamental systems of the body that are significantly and severely neglected one being a lymphatic system. And so I I finally got the answer that I've been searching for all of these decades in medicine of why all the things that we do for people, why they don't stick or they don't last long, or why they might not work in the first place. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: that was by looking at the system as a whole and trying to understand the individual human being that's standing in front of me, not just the diagnosis that they have or the disease that they have or the tests that they walk in with and I never would have honestly I don't think I ever would have come to this point if I didn't go through my own sickness like that and then I was able to discover uh, just how many people in the world are suffering like I was suffering and have not been able to find any answers. They have lost hope and they get so much information that they're overwhelmed or they get so much misinformation and they uh, they're just spiraling out of control. And I never would have known that if I didn't go through it myself. It gave me a whole brand new perspective, but it, it also taught me some of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned.
1: For sure. For sure, and I just speak, you know, I could say that about what I've been through, too, and all the, you know, trauma and everything that I've been through brought me to where I am today, and so I talk about the story, and good and bad, um, Yeah. you know, leads to, you know, our stories are where we are now. You know, I was thinking when you were talking, um, I've heard you say you're the last person that the patient will come to, you know, uh, after yeah, they've either. tried <laughs> the doctors and every other, tr- uh, you know, trying to get better. Um, what do you mean by that? Like you, you know, and I know you've said that if if what you do doesn't work after three times. Um, yeah, I
2: have a, a motto that I say that says feel better in four or schedule no more. Mm-hmm. So I expect to have a significant change and improvement in your condition by four visits. Otherwise, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be able to help you.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I kind of designed my practice like that, or it kind of organically happened over the last 20 years where you know, I, I was in the beginning the guy that you would normally see, right? If you're like your back hurt or your neck hurt or whatever, you come in and get some chiropractic. But then I started to branch out of that and then I had the stop chasing pain. The stop chasing pain stands for you treat pain, but you don't chase it. And you, you look for the reason that it happened. And I started to do things that were outside of the traditional model of uh, healthcare care and Looking at the body. So, I was an early adopter of a lot of things that seemed pretty fringy at the time, but now are more accepted based on research that came on. And one with fascia. I mean, there used to be a time when nobody even knew what the hell fascia was or that it meant anything. I mean, medicine and surgeons used to just cut through fascia to get to their target and then they didn't pay any attention to it. And now, it's the buzzword of this, you know, everything. And, yeah, and for sure. Same, mm-hmm. same with the laser therapy. I was an early adopter of using light energy to heal tissue and things like that. So I've always been trying to mix many different approaches or many different disciplines. And I I've become more like a generalist, you might say, not a specialist, because I feel a specialist isolates too much. And then the more you isolate on one thing, the more you neglect everything else, you become like pigeonholed into something. And like, all of a sudden, everything is that which you specialize in. And Bob became more of a generalist. So I am not the guy that you first see when something happens to you. I made it that way, where you'll usually end up coming to see me when you've tried everything else the traditional approaches that mm-hmm. should work mm-hmm. but haven't worked and most of that came down to my examination process because I spent about an hour with each person and I examine you like you've probably never been examined before of these things like people may be just chasing the wrong thing which is stop chasing pain so I just had to find like the underlying culprit and one of my mottos is like that Ida Rop said who created the Roffing technique she says where do you think it is it ain't
0: mm-hmm. and
2: my whole thing is it's very rarely where you think it is just by itself it's always something contributing factor, especially when it's chronic pain right so I I got of acute care type of stuff so I'm more of a chronic pain guy. chronic pain is something that easily lasts more than six weeks -hmm. For you, or always keeps coming back. There's got to be an underlying catalyst that is at play here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when people find me, it's easy through referral, or they've heard about this crazy guy that does all these things that somebody's never seen before. And they're much more open to the approaches that I do by the time they find me because when they've exhausted all of the quote-unquote normal things that should work and they haven't then they're open to me looking outside the site of pain and in the beginning uh you know it was still isolated to what I said before is like the musculoskeletal system so let me give you an example if somebody comes on in with back pain very rarely is it the back that's causing the issue. It's usually coming from the hip joints in your pelvis that don't move well, that don't hurt, but you get compensation pain in the back.
0: Yeah, or exactly. you, don't,
2: you don't move well in your thoracic spine, which is the mid-back, like you say between your shoulder blades. And then when that gets stuck, then you move more in your lower back. And your lower back hurts, but the problem is higher up in your what's called your T spine, thoracic spine. But I'm like, well, okay, well, that was a novel idea for a lot of people, right? Like, holy cow, this guy's looking at places that don't hurt that are Mm -hmm. causing where my pain is, and like I'm feeling so much better. (laughs) Yep. You know, but then I realized that there's a lot of other systems at play that I was not looking at before, especially with chronic pain. So then I began to investigate other systems of the body. Okay, well, let me turn you around now, and uh, you know, I look at the organs in the front of your body to see how they move, if they have inflammation, things like that in the uh, lymphatic system of the body, which is the sewage system of the body. Then I look at vascular flow. They call that microcirculation. That's the ability for blood to actually get to the tissues that have pain. Mm -hmm. And all of these systems have to interact and work together. That's what I call an ecosystem. An ecosystem is like nature. Nothing can function alone by itself. Everything plays a role. And you're only as strong and resilient as your weakest or your most vulnerable system. Mm -hmm. And very rarely is it the painful one. And then that's the... Model of where I began to, like you said before, everybody has a story, right? Good and bad. I call that a life load. That's (laughs) your whole story from the moment you were born (laughs) until the moment you walk into my office that I have to take into account, especially when you have a chronic pain, autoimmune disorder. If you have like an acute injury or uh, acute illness, those are usually pretty straightforward for people to get better through uh, trauma care or the traditional approaches.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But th- they can linger as well because what a lot of people don't understand this is that you can have an underlying problem that has been brewing for a long period of time. And then it's something that was eventually going to come out. But then you got your traumatic injury. So you have a traumatic injury stacked on top of what was building underneath for decades. So you have multiple things going on. And the the trauma that you have sets off the underlying thing that was building up, and now you have two issues. You have an acute injury mixed with a chronic problem that go together so Mm -hmm. you have to be able to look at both or somebody will get the acute injury taken care of but it might not be because it might not be taken care of because what happens is in the background you have that underlying condition that chronic condition that was always there and that puts the brakes on the one that just happened and then that's the one where, for instance, I have somebody who like, oh, I just bent over to a my shield and my back went out, right? That that is something you want to take care of, but they might not get to where they need to because the other underlying problem finally reached a breaking point, you might say. And then we have to look at all of those. And that is determined by a few things. One, if I sit down and have an actual conversation with you as a human being and look at your whole history up to that that standpoint, not just... Over to tie your shoe and my examination. So I examine all the other systems of the body, not just the back system that hurts. Uh, And I have that four visit program to do it in. Like, even if somebody came on in, for instance, and I just treated your back, I expect that back to be way better in four visits. And if it wasn't, I usually found out it's because they had a problem with an underlying system that I wasn't checking. Mm -hmm. So now I just check them all together right from the beginning. (laughs) right you know so that's why my assessment takes an hour Mm because I look at all of these different things and then people are like usually like I've never had anybody look at these other areas of my body in relationship to what I was complaining about
1: yeah could you imagine a doctor, a traditional doctor doing that? <laughs> no. No. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, and unfortunately, the system is stacked against them to be able to do that anyway. Yeah. How, how many people they need to see and mm-hmm. what they get paid to do it.
1: And mm-hmm. then,
2: but, you know, honestly, if they even did that whole examination,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you have to look at what they would tell you to do after they did it. Exactly. Their only op- the only options that they have available to them based on their model of looking at the world is, you know, medications or surgery exactly. or they send you to, to rehabilitation. I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't work. I mean, that's the miracle of medicine that's mm-hmm. been able to eradicate awful diseases that we've had and mm-hmm. been able to save people that have a traumatic injury I mean we need that sort of stuff right but that's the infectious disease traumatic injury healthcare model which has its place no doubt yes but you, you can't have that same approach to a chronic lifestyle disease issue because there's not just one thing you can blame and put your finger on and give a pill for it or take it out Mm-hmm. And problem solved. So I think the reason that we're suffering the way we are with all of this lifestyle chronic disease, which is not getting worse, it's getting, it's not getting better, it's getting way worse, is that we're trying to treat a lifestyle disease problem like an infectious disease problem that you can isolate in a petri dish. And that is not going to happen. Won't happen.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I know you talk about the, the emotional body. And to me, you know, being a trainer and yoga teacher, and I talk about uh, the hold the emotional body can have on us, you know, the stories that we have, and we refuse to let them go and to start a new story. What do you feel about the emotional body and disease and what happens?
0: That's
2: been a journey for me, too, because honestly, if you asked me about the emotional stuff about 15 years ago, I probably would have laughed at you myself. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: I know. I get that look a lot. Like, what are you talking about?
2: Well, you know, I mean, I don't think I just wasn't ready for it yet to to see it until I went through some things and I saw how. A lot of things that I've gone through in my life that have been emotionally traumatic, I mean, that's what we have as human beings. That's we're not rocks, right? I mean, that impacts how we perceive the world and how we perceive the world influences how our whole nervous system and our perception of what pain is, is interpreted based on the story that we tell ourselves through the lens that we see the world. And that there's a human being attached to the piece of meat that you're trying to work on, and I once I became sick, and I became more aware of my body through meditation and through mindful movement. I I could feel what would happen to me physiologically when I let my emotions get the best of me, like if I had that, like anxiety or fear or anger for something, I could feel my body change. (laughs) And it wasn't in a way that I liked. I was like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And then I could flip a switch, man, like I could immediately because that's what's our gift as human beings is that we can choose how we react to things. (laughs) And I would have something happen i'd be stressed and i feel that and then i would automatically just stop focusing on it or change my perception about it and my whole physiology would change again and i'm like you know what how you it's hit me how you think changes your physiology so we can use that to improve our health and our body but it can also do the opposite it can tear you down and that's what stress does that's what emotional stress or i think the biggest thing that affects that affects us as human beings is social stress you know how we interact with the world and we even interact with ourselves or now interact with the entire world literally through your phone like (laughs) that It, it it Builds up such stress and tension in the body and self-perception that people are always in this survival fight, fight, freeze, freak out mode. And there's so many injuries that I've come across that people have chronic pain that have been tied to emotional trauma for them. And the word trauma, you know, it's different for everybody of, of what might stick in somebody's body because the, the nervous system and the body never forgets anything It holds on to it. And it remembers, and it it tells a story based on that past experience to try to protect you from having another one. And it can run through that story in the background all the time. It's what they call neuroception. It's not a word many people are familiar with neuro N E U R O. Neuroception, it's a, when you start to study the emotion system, it, it is a, um, kind of think of it like a matrix computer program running in the background all the time mm-hmm. to try to look for viruses that might attack you. So it's a, it's an underlying safety net that's always looking for things in the world that can hurt you mm-hmm. and to protect you. But you don't know that it's running and it's, it's what they call a sub-threshold. Like it, it's not there where you're like, holy cow, this is like really, really not good. Mm-hmm. But it's not good, but it's below the background and it's, it's doing the emotional protection things for you. And then trauma gets stored in the body. And I've seen pain in every single aspect that you could possibly imagine immediately go away or significantly improve when uh, I've worked with the emotional things on. There's so many different emotional type of release techniques that you can do from some that are a little bit lighter to some that are a little bit more uh, aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that on individuals, But it also was a big component, honestly, to one of the reasons why I ended up getting sick. Now that I had the right opening in in my heart, I think, to finally accept it, to say, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that I was trying to push down or ignore or go through. And it just was always there. Mm -hmm. And until I was able to confront those things... I was not able to get past certain barriers that I had in, in my recovery.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then when I got through those, I had a significant change in uh, my discomfort and, and my pain. And I really do see some emotional components in all of my um, pretty significant and severe autoimmune disease types cases. And, and what's interesting is that uh, pain science is actually kind of coming around to it in their, their own roundabout way because they talk about what's called a BPS model of pain. That means biopsychosocial model. And, I actually
1: have that written down here to ask you yeah, about that.
2: You know, that's, <laughs> that's energy, right? So <laughs> you, know, you might have some biological issue the tissue damage or trauma, which Mm -hmm. could be contributing to that. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the social model. The social model is the interaction that you have with another human being, right? We're social creatures. And if we feel isolated, you know, then we slowly start to to die. And then there's a huge component of that in relationship to whatever age group you're in, but especially for kids and teenagers, these days with isolation on social media or bullying and, so you've got that social component or the, the context of how you grew up socially in your culture and you view pain or discomfort or illness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the psycho, the psycho one. That's the the perception of pain, that's the the self for, for you. Uh, so you have to take all three of those into consideration because there's so many people that don't have, you know, any tissue damage that can be found on a test or an MRI or blood work, but they're in a lot of pain and they're miserable. So, pain doesn't equate to tissue damage at all. Because there's some people who have a lot of damage that you can see on film, and they're like, "That's nice. I, I, thanks for telling me," but I don't feel any. Mm-hmm. There's no correlation to that. So then science was like, well, what's going on? Well, then that, that's the biopsychosocial model that makes us unique as as human beings. So that's also what comes into play with how words matter. Like you can physically talk to someone a certain way. And then they can be made to feel better or feel worse based on the words that you choose to communicate with that individual and what that word might mean to them. So so in medicine, they call that a placebo effect where, you know, you can say something or do something and the person feels better. But was it really from anything that you actually did? So a Mm -hmm. placebo effect is really powerful and it's always involved with everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's something that really needs to be considered as a very big part of healing. But you also have the opposite of placebo that's called nocebo. Nocebo means that you can make somebody feel worse mm-hmm. based on how you speak to them, right? Mm-hmm. And the words you choose or the tone that you have or how you dress. I mean, all those things. And. That's why emotion matters, because you can influence someone to get better or worse based simply on a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like a doctor would tell you, um, uh, you have this and you believe it and you are going to believe it, just like when I train and... I say, okay, you have you have weak glutes, and I know this. You know, it's just the same thing. You put that in somebody's head, and they believe it. Um, so I, I'm it, words are very powerful. They're very powerful. Um, I agree with you hundred percent um yeah well
2: people you got to be careful because people become a diagnosis so as soon as you tell them something then they latch onto that and that becomes their identity and a lot of people don't know who they are when they're not in pain Mm -hmm. or when they don't have that and uh, some people stay sick or in pain simply because they don't know who they would be without it and it sounds nuts on the to the outside but it's not Mm -mm. um everybody has their own reason for doing things, and it might not make sense to you. But I always say that the human body is under no obligation whatsoever to make sense to you. It's yeah. To do. I love that. And, you know, I'm like, it doesn't really care whether you understand it or not. No. Sorry if it stresses you out, man. I'm just doing my thing. Maybe you'll catch up one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, well, I, we began with the lymph. Uh, the You call it the lymphatic mojo the body Mm -hmm. aquarium (laughs) can you explain that to the audience because i love that sure
2: well first of all mojo i love that word because mojo means magic Mm -hmm. and i do think there's a magic in helping people heal or feel better or there's actually some magical things that will happen to you when you start to work the limb. And you give the body what it needs to be able to heal itself. Because it can if you give it what it needs. And sometimes you just got to get out of your own way. But mojo also means voodoo. Which means that sometimes stuff works. And I got no idea, honestly, why it works so well. Um, And so I just love that word. And then lymph, lymphatic is talking about the lymphatic system of the body, which some people may be familiar with, especially if they've had anybody in their life that's had cancer, they usually tell you, you know, you gotta be careful with that because cancer can spread throughout the whole body through the lymphatic system, which most of all should tell you just how it goes everywhere and how important it is. But the lymphatic system is, in my opinion, I think the most important and neglected like system in the body in relationship towards health restoration and chronic disease. And it's the sewage system of the body. Its job is to actually keep the environment that's inside of you, this liquid environment that all of the cells in your body live in and reside in. Its job is to keep that fluid clean and to keep it livable. So whatever you need to go into a cell can go into it and whatever comes out of the cell, the waste of the cell, the lymph gets rid of it. And I call it the Lymphatic Mojo Body Aquarium. I use body aquarium as my analogy because it's a perfect way to explain it. If you think about this, if you ever see a fish aquarium or a even a swimming pool that uh hasn't been taken care of and they don't have a good filter system.
1: Yes, I have.
2: But, yeah, it's not very pretty, right? Mm. It gets it gets yucky, it gets stagnant, it gets green, it starts to develop algae or fungus, and then inside the fish tank, the fish begin to die and all the plants and coral in there get gook all over it. So the fluid in the tank, the water in the tank, I, that's your fluid inside of your body. That is what they call your interstitial fluid that's between tissue, otherwise known as your extracellular, outside the cell, extracellular matrix. Mm-hmm. That's the environment that all of your tissues live in the body. And just like a fish tank, Everything in the tank are your body parts. So let's say in my fish tank, I've got coral, I've got fish, I've got rocks. Well, inside your fish tank, you've got organs, you've got bones, you got fascia, you got muscle. Everything inside, right? Mm-hmm. So all that stuff. <clears throat> but. So when things go wrong, we just go after the individual parts in the fish tank that are the issue.
0: Mm-hmm. And what
2: I'm trying to tell you is is that everything inside the tank is only as healthy as the water that it lives in, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got crappy water, it doesn't matter what you do. If a fish dies and then I take out the fish and I'm like that's okay I'll just buy a brand new fish and I put the fish in the same environment of water well that's gonna die too or it's gonna start to decay too Mm -hmm. and the same thing with your body parts like if I don't go in and take care of the environment that your body lives in then everything's gonna come back and one of my favorite sayings that I tell people is that you cannot get well in the same environment. You became ill with So yeah. you know, If you expect to get better, you have to do way more than just like take a pill, which means replace the fish or, you know, get a new body part in like that. And the you know, problem solved. Well, not so much, maybe for a little bit. And then I'm like, OK, what's the biggest way? That I can help all these different techniques that people are trying to do. Or what's the biggest way I can influence everything inside the damn tank? Well, let me work with the filtration system of the fish tank.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Let me work with the filtration system of your internal body that system is the lymphatic system. If I get that system to function the way it's designed, then you have the potential at that point to heal, recover, and regenerate better and faster than you've ever done before. And then one of the reasons people ask me, well, why does the lymphatic system get become such a problem? Because it's overloaded in our life because of the amount of, toxicity that we're exposed to on a never-ending basis and the human body was never designed to have to deal with the amount of stress that we and and toxins we have thrown at us every single day and if you don't address and help the lymphatic system do its job when it's exposed to toxins like that It, it's going to get overloaded and you're going to have these issues. And you know, I tell people it's kind of like dude, if all you ate was sugar and sweets and you never brushed your teeth, well, you're going to get a damn cavity, man. So right. It's the same thing. But I'm just showing you how to brush the inside of your body
1: uh-huh.
2: when we do the limp. Uh And you actually can use a brush, honestly. I know, uh, a, a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, to I love that. Purpose. Because it was just different, and most everybody has I love it. so love they it, love can it. get started right away, and uh-huh. then you know, when I began to see because the lymphatic system was a huge underlying reason why I was not getting well, and nobody ever told me about it until I got exposed to it, and then I, went, I put myself on a program, and I made the program even better, and then I just, it completely transformed you know, how I look, how I feel, and I started to check the lymphatic system on people that were coming into my office all the time and they were a hot mess. And then I said, you know, I've got to, I've got to put something out there to help these people. And then that's where the video lymphatic mojo body aquarium, the streaming one that you got came about.
1: I loved it.
2: it, it. I'll be honest with you. I, it has done beyond my wildest expectations and, how well it's done around the world and the messages that I get from people every single day about how the simple techniques made such a huge difference in their body. And then that's when I decided to take that and run with it and then create courses. So I have a one day course and a two day course.
1: Yeah, and it's decide. very simple. It's not you know, it's not hard to move the lymph. I and mean, you you talk nope. about the two ways to move it. So can you Tell the audience the two ways.
2: Sure, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Well, the two primary ways that the limp moves through your body are through human movement. The more you move of yourself, I call it adaptable movement. Move more of yourself more often in more ways in more environments which basically means move differently than you are right now because lymph becomes stagnant or we get injured when one we don't move enough or we do the same type of movement all the time so you need some variation variability and variety we call that the three v's so movement which people don't do enough of it could be just simply walking honestly Mm -hmm. And then the other one is diaphragmatic breathing, breathing from your diaphragm muscle, which pumps, it creates a pressure difference in the system, the body from high pressure to low pressure. So it pumps the fluid through the body. And Mm -hmm. so human movement and breathing moves the lymph. And then you have, as it's filtered through what they call lymph nodes in the body, and you have... Some, most people have heard of maybe a lymph node. It's basically a filtration station in the body, and you've got over 700 of them. And so it's a lot. And there's key areas where they're located. Most are in your neck, here, and then you've got um, a ton uh, around the organs of your body. And then high, high impact movement areas near your shoulder and your hip, and things like that. And there's a very specific way that the limp has to drain in a direction that it needs to go back towards the heart. And when you can learn the technique that we teach you, it's the order that you do it in that matters the results that you get. So how you can brush them, like with the toothbrush or any kind of dry brush, or you can do it by hand with the technique that I show you. There's a reason that it, done the way it is so you can get the optimal results Mm -hmm. that you're looking for and it can be significant and profound honestly the differences that people have i mean sometimes pain significantly improves their strength power and speed increases if they don't have pain their range of motion which is their ability to move the body significantly improves as well Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I like the light touch that you implement in moving the lamp. Then I think, you know, it's right underneath the skin. So I don't think you don't need a heavy hand.
2: Yeah, that's a big mistake that people make when they try to get work done or they go for a massage. So massages are great, right? It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish with where you go. Yeah, You have to go more superficial and light what i call feather light feather light is actually the pressure of like a feather or a cotton ball it it kind of feels almost like you're not doing anything that's the first step there's different steps that you have to go through but most people don't do that because they feel that if you're not going hard and you're not going deep and you're not causing a little bit of pressure or pain that you're not actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's the, it does the most because it's, that's one of the most powerful ways to reduce the pain sensation going into the body. And when you press too hard, you bypass that limp and you bypass the nerves that sit below the skin so you don't get the effect that you're looking for because you just blast right through them oh and you know people want you to dig deep they want you to get in there because oh my god that hurt remember that hurt so good
0: yeah right 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 and
2: Mm -hmm. you know it does feel better temporarily Mm -hmm. but it usually gets worse or keeps coming back
0: Mm-hmm. Because,
2: you know, you haven't gone light enough to treat the lymph. So what I do now in my work is is that we do lymph first. Then I go deeper and do the other stuff that I would, if I deem necessary, based on my evaluation. But I always do the lymph first. And we call that drainage, drainage, draining the lymph precedes supply drainage comes before you're trying to supply it with mm-hmm. the recovery or nutrients or whatever therapy that you're doing
1: is there is there anywhere lymph is not in the body
2: no i mean you got it it's pretty much everywhere you can think of so let's put it in perspective
0: mm-hmm.
2: you've got 15 you know what a liter is and you got 15 liters of lymph in the body and you've only got five liters of blood. So it's a significant more amount of lymph in your whole system. The three biggest places that you have lymph are your neck. you got, like I said before, over 700 lymph nodes in the body. One-third of that number is in the neck, head and neck. And then you've got the skin is the second one, and your gut new gut which is your small intestine and your large intestine and around your stomach mm-hmm. that's the three biggest places that the lymph resides
1: before i we end i definitely want to talk about the unicorn maker <laughs> let's see what's the unicorn maker
2: what well, does that mean i'm actually i'm actually wearing a shirt that one of my followers sent me it was actually a, a shirt with a unicorn on it <laughs> because, so I, I put that out for a reason because, you know, unicorns to me represent possibility. And that's how I like to look at things. If you if you don't believe you're going to find a unicorn and looking for one, you're, you're not going to look at the world the same. And, uh, Unicorns can represent the miracle that you never thought you'd see or uh, possibility. And I think that if I look back and how some of the greatest things that we've ever come across in discovery, and either in medicine or the world, are from people who've looked beyond what was the accepted norm or what we thought was possible and they asked the what if question Mm -hmm. they're looking for a unicorn and that's stuff that nobody else sees but they're daring enough to look because they're real they're there If if you just know how to look for them and then So I try to make unicorns based on how I teach for people to look at the body, but also how to think about the body. And then I've also had people that I've been able to help over the years that were told that they they were like a lost cause or they're going to have to learn to live with it, myself included. So I just made a unicorn because they were able to turn things around and do the impossible which is pretty much what a unicorn is i love uh, it
1: i love it i love uh, it that's
2: that's <laughs> where it that's where it comes from you know and um I, I just think that that kind of approach is important in the world of medicine
0: mm-hmm. right
2: it, it does i've told people it it doesn't mean that i don't take things seriously either Uh, If anything, I think when you can lighten the way that you look at things, you can see approaches or see perspectives or look at connections that you never would have dreamt of looking at before. If you didn't have that mindset, did you follow what I mean?
1: Yeah, I love it. Yes, for sure.
2: Yeah, you can see some crazy stuff, man, if you just get out of your own damn way most of
1: I the time. love it. Yes. Be a weirdo. <laughs>
2: weird, weird is good. The weirdos change the world.
1: <laughs> can I tell you many times my five children have called me a weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> and I've been it's not all rainbows and kitty cats, Mom. I'm like, yeah it is.
2: Yeah. Why can't it be? I know, right? (laughs) It's also a perspective.
1: There are so many things I wanted to ask you, and I I don't want to make the podcast too long, but I do want to know about um, you. I know you do your workshops, and uh, so what do you cover in your workshops other than lymph? I know you do. What are the workshops that
2: you do? Well, I'm in Chicago. I'm actually talking to you from a hotel room in Chicago Mm -hmm. on this podcast. I'm here. I did the first day of my two day lymphatic mojo hands on body aquarium course. So I've got that one, which has really become popular for people because not many people talk about the limb. Then I have another one that I've been doing for a while. This is my movement based course. It's called primal movement chains basically primal of how we learn to to move in the first place Mm -hmm. and then um, that's a a two-day course as well I teach mostly um, ground-based body weight movement things to help improve strength and then I've got a third course that I co-teach with a partner of mine And friend, it's called Functional Medicine and Movement. The Functional Medicine and Movement is more along the lines of what I learned after I got really, really sick with my autoimmune disease. And my friend, Dr. Stewart, helped me bring myself back. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to work with him. We put together our own course. So we teach people how to heal themselves from their autoimmune issue and you know that we formed a separate company called Functional Health Solutions that does that and I'm happy to say that we will have an online course that people can take very soon so you can take the course from anywhere in the world and then we are coming out with our own um, supplement line that's designed to work for people who have autoimmune issues or chronic pain so you'll be able to uh, take the things that I use or we use to teach people how to heal themselves. We decided to make our own because we really couldn't find the combinations that we wanted to do anywhere else. And then those are the their primary three that I
1: teach and right now. I have to say also that you do give away a lot of free <laughs> information and, you know, I, I learned so much from you from just all the things that you put out. So um, I know people can get a lot of info from you and your uh, social media also.
2: Um, Yeah. So, well, thank you for that. I've always tried to put out some things.
1: You do. um, You're so wonderful and positive. life
2: like that. Love it. That's a big part of healing, too, is that that positive attitude because there's so much negativity out there in the world. And, you know, my... Social media of people can find me, of course, on uh, Stop Chasing Pain, which is my website. But then I'll branch out to my social media stuff. So I think my favorite that I like to spend the most time on is, which I think you mentioned how you found me with Instagram. It has that's a really great energy or vibe and community, and it, it, you can tell a really nice story through a picture. Yep. And then it's a, a really nice, uh, supportive I- environment.
1: Yep, and uh, I look forward to your post every day on Instagram. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm the, probably the first one who likes your post. I don't know, but you, you're just you,
2: uh, you know, what you show up on all of them. I see, I do, you know? I do because I have I two,
1: I have two, um, <laughs> Instagram, like a business one and then another one. And I'm not a big social media person, I just. I just, um, I'm trying, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty low key, but I, yeah. I, I, I am. I'm like, <laughs> I look forward to your post every day. You're wonderful. Thank you. um, I I you're very night. positive. You're just a beautiful person. I can, I can tell. And um,
0: Thank you. so
1: I'd like to end every podcast with um, myself and my guests to share an item or something that they do that makes a difference in their lives. It could be a positive, but also if something you might have tried and it didn't work for you, that's perfectly fine to share. Also, um, I it could be a food item also. Uh, I go first, so you can think about it for a second. Um, Mm -hmm. My item is a rebounder. So I know you love play. So play, yay. (laughs) Um, But I actually use it for clients, for personal training, like for warming up. Um, And I like to have the shoes off so you actually feel the connection to the rebounder. Um, And since we were talking about lymph um I just moves it it moves the lymph um it's fun I go crazy on it I go for about 10 minutes um I do lift weights I'm pretty beastly in the gym but that's and I know I'm moving lymph but when I'm on the rebounder I just imagine it just flowing do you know what I mean from the connection to the rebounder um so that is my item I think it's um, it's pretty cheap. It's not, you can get a decent one in the $200 range probably. And I've had mine forever. Um, so it's cheap, it's fun. And I think it's, um, it, it I mean, I'll ask you, don't you think it moves a limp?
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's one of them the best things you can do yeah, to get the, the limp going. Plus it, it is a form of play and it, it takes you back to kind of being like a kid again, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it, it's, it's almost impossible to jump up and down on a rebounder and not crack a smile a little yep. bit. And, <laughs> I bet. You know. So that, that changes pressure in the body, you know, up and down like that. And then that bouncing motion
1: uh-huh.
2: you know, mo- moves the limp. Quite yep. nicely, and then you know when you mix it with the lymphatic mojo release points that I teach people, and you do that, that's yep. even, it's even better. So yeah, it's I, a, I thought it it's was a
1: good. I, I thought it was a good item for for with you being on the show. Um yeah. and I've been using it for I don't know twenty years or so. But um, okay, so what is your item? Do you have an item for me?
2: Yeah, well, you know what's interesting? Like uh over the years, which I never really got into very much or looked into until I was uh sick. It's amazing, right? How much you can open yourself up to when you.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: so many things I found from that. I've absolutely fallen in love with using uh essential oils. Nice in, one. In my work. Which I never looked at before, and the essential oils of all different types—you know—they have different frequencies of energy to them, like anything in the, in the universe has energy to it. But there's some the, of the highest frequency things that you're going to find on the earth, and the essential oils, and they've done wonders for me in you know my healing journey. So I use them uh external and i also use them internal so i'll pop a drop or two in my water throughout the day and then that actually helps me absorb my water a little bit more efficiently as well so i think the essential oil path do you have
1: a brand happens- that you like or uh
2: well i'm actually coming out with my own
1: ooh exciting and-
2: so yeah, we have uh, the, I don't know line coming out that'll be for specific things. The two biggest things we use them for are to help people who have candida with the yeast in, with the yeast infection, or mm-hmm. if they have an underlying virus mm-hmm. in their system. So I don't necessarily have a um, uh, a brand that I recommend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but one of my I'll tell you one of my favorite oils that I use, mm-hmm. um, and we look at oils. Rose oil, rose oil has the highest frequency of any oil that you have. Mm -hmm. So when you use rose oil, I use that a lot. And And it doesn't
1: actually smell like rose.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it's real rose. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then the other one is what's called Melissa, Mm M-E-L-I-S-S-A, Melissa oil. Mm -hmm. Uh, Melissa oil is fantastic for uh your body to to use in many different ways that's the one where i'll do like a drop or two in water a day because you can take it internally Uh it really helps keep an underlying virus under control helps candida and helps people who have what's called SIBO Uh which is a small intestine bacterial overgrowth Uh as well Um, people can notice a, a quite significant improvement in their body when they use a drop or two of that. That's it. probably uh, some of the biggest thing. And I mix essential oils into my massage work. So when I do soft tissue work, I'll mix a drop or two of that in there as well. And then I found my results again.
1: Love, love it. Love it. I use them a lot in my uh, yoga practice when I'm teaching. Yes. Yeah. Great stuff. Sure. Um So, where can the audience get in touch with you or find uh, you other yeah. than Instagram?
0: Well, I know you said your social media,
2: in- as you know, it's pretty easy. But if you, if my website is kind of the central hub for everything, if you type in uh, "stop chasing pain," stop chasing pain, my website will show up, and then on my website, it's got links to all the social media I'm on, which I'm kind of on all of them. So you can find me. If you type in any social media platform, you'll usually find me. And then the website will give you so you'll see where I am for workshops. You'll get a link to the video for the Lymphatic Mojo Body Aquarium that you can stream right away. And then also get my other video about uh, movement. It's my favorite ground-based movements for discomfort or pain and rehabilitation there. And then I have my... uh, Links to all my workshops, so you can tell where I'm going to be in the world. And then I have an online membership site. If people want to go behind the scenes, they can see a lot of things that they would only see at a workshop.
0: That mm-hmm. They
2: can get on the membership stuff. So I, if people think I share a lot in public for free, I share even more. <laughs> no, I'm not
1: saying don't don't go and. Get your videos and go to your workshops. Yeah. I'm just so saying, you are all... very, you're a very generous man. You you yeah. you give Thank out a lot me. of... Thank
2: you. Yes. And you can also find a ton of stuff on my YouTube channel. And, um, you know, I've written quite a bit for a lot of different journals and magazines over the years. And there should be some archives there. I mean, it, you'll probably find a little bit of information about me if you look. And hopefully most of it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Yeah. <laughs>
1: well i thank you from the bottom of my heart um and i'm sorry about all the glitches in the beginning but um good yeah so i hope you have a great rest of the weekend and um god bless thank you so much
2: thank you very much and thank you for having me on the show thanks everybody for listening
1: all right thank you bye-bye bye My hope is that you as a listener will come away from this podcast with a tidbit of information that inspires you in some way towards a healthier you. Thank you for joining us today on It's a New Dawn for You. Our show today was directed and edited by Sharon Alice Murray. Our theme song is called Dear I, written and performed by my own son, Angelo Michael, and available at Bandcamp.com. And I'm your host, Lenora Colarusso, wishing you everlasting health and wellness. You can ask me questions and find me at dawn for you at gmail.com, the number four, the small letter U, on Instagram at itsanewdawnforyou for you mind, body, spirit, or Facebook at itsanewdawn, or you can check out my website at itsanewdawnnewjersey.com. Remember, there is always a chance to start anew. Your thoughts and actions shape your reality, and you are the captain of your ship. Peace out. Hashtag spread kindness.
0: You pack up your life to start anew. You'll find out some things to be true. Like you are stronger than you once new. Yeah, yeah.